when Karen was talking about Spanish flu 1919 Stanley Cup and she went through all these things about people being sick and all that, your comment was, but that's not really what I'm most interested in. It's the gameplay. And that was a really interesting angle. When you said that, I was thinking, well, why would you not be most interested in the angle where people were getting sick and dying? It's because the gameplay and the details behind it were really interesting as well, okay? I'm digging to try to find the names of the two leagues that we had the acronyms for for our fact-checking. Here's what I find out. PCHA is pretty much what we expected it to be. The Pacific Coast Hockey Association. The other league was, at the time, called the NHL. Nuh-uh. It was. So here's how it happens. So the Seattle Metropolitans finished the 1919 PCHA regular season second in the standings behind the Vancouver Millionaires. The Vancouver Millionaires <laughs> had a 12-8 and record, and the Metropolitans had an 11-9 and record. They play a two-game championship series with a gold differential deciding who wins. Wow. That's how you decide the winner? A two-game series? Who conceives a two-game series with a gold differential? That actually happens in uh, football, soccer sometimes. Why, mm -hmm. an e why an even number of games? Does that happen because when you're playing the uh, brackets, you're playing within your thing, you might only play two other teams? So you might only play two games? No, I've, I've just heard of matchups where there are two games and it's, it's, um, it's total goals. So to get the PCHA champion, they play first and second place. It's a two-game playoff with a goal differential deciding the winner four hours before the puck is going to drop. The Metropolitan's leading scorer, Bernie Morris, is arrested by U.S. authorities for draft dodging. Wow. That's unbelievable. They still win the game 6-1. to one. Vancouver wins game 2-4-1, but loses the series by a 7-5 to five goal aggregate. What happened to Morris, you ask? That's a great question, Bob. He was sentenced to two years hard labor at the U.S. military prison Alcatraz. Wow. His conviction was overturned after one year when he was granted an honorable discharge from the U.S. Army and sent straight to Ottawa for the 1920 Stanley Cup Finals. <laughs> Get out of here. I swear to God. <laughs> <laughs> it gets better and better. It's unbelievable. Was that 1919 or 19? Or I'm sorry. Was was that 1918 or 1917? So, no. so 1919, before the Stanley Cup finally was sentenced to two years hard labor, served one year, was released just before the start of the 2020 Stanley Cup Finals to play for Ottawa. Wow, that's amazing. After spending a year in hard labor in Alcatraz. Okay. Well, Seattle had a hard time then because their other really good player died like two days after the Stanley Cup final. So when they're playing the Stanley Cup finals, winds up basically two wins, two losses, one tie, and it's declared no winner. Karen was explaining some of the detail on that. But I've got a little more interesting detail. At one point, Montreal is down to three healthy players. Defenseman Joe Hall, who gets sick, passes away four days after the the last game that they played. He was a Montreal guy or a Seattle guy? Montreal guy. Okay, so he must have been the best player on Montreal, and the, the Army draft dodger guy was the best player on Seattle. The actual head coach of the Metropolitans offers to forfeit and give them the cup when they don't have enough guys to play. The other team refuses to take the forfeit and says, we're not going to take it that way. So after all of this happens, one guy dies, head coach gets sick, winds up dying a few years later with illness related to it, and they didn't finish. So all of that was so that they could actually inscribe on the cup, as you know, 1919, Montreal Canadiens, Seattle Metropolitans, series not completed. So what was it all for? What was it all for? Thanks for tuning in to this week's edition of Ring Stories. Your host, Bob Winter. Thank you, Matt. 
and welcome to episode 14 of Rink Stories. This is Bob Winter from Rink Stories World Headquarters in Marblehead, Massachusetts, and behind the glass, as always, out of Rink Stories Studios in Beverly Hills, California, Matt Hoff. What's cooking, Matt? You know, just thriving and surviving out here. So we're, we're kind of on a roll here. The last episode, we welcomed in Karen Given of WBUR, the host and executive producer of Only a Game. And uh, sounds like you um, got a lot out of that conversation, Matt. Yeah, I, um, I was pleasantly surprised. You know, she's a pro. We've had quite a few people on. We've interviewed that have podcasts. You know, they, they, um, they've been interviewed before, but this is someone that's been a producer. Uh, as a producer, she's probably booked the guests, done the questioning, also been in the seat of asking the questions. It was easy for her because, uh, for us with her because she's such a pro. And that was a lot of fun for, for me because we're, what, 13 episodes in when we talked to her? Yeah, she really classed the place up. That's a good way to put it. She did. So on to today's episode. So what was it all for? Rink Stories Rewind. We went and got lunch and hung out with Gordy Howe and drank with him one in the afternoon to one at night until his wife come and got him and had to pour him out. <laughs> and he told us stories that were just awesome. Coach John Missouri, Rink Stories, episode number eight. The four major sports, your contention is they're not going to finish. Hockey is pretty much equated to like the, oh no, I'm sorry, the NBA start with the, the two bubbles. Um, so They're called was, hubs, Matt. They're, I'm sorry, the two hubs. We have a bubble and two hubs. Uh, oh, the, here's the other funny thing about the NBA. Did you know that they're in two different hotels in Disney World, and one of them is slightly nicer than the other one, and the higher-seated teams get to stay in that one? As it should be. Of course. Meritocracy. I, there's a Motel 6 just outside of the grounds, and that's where the teams that are vying for the play-in spots are staying right now. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Warriors aren't even there. The pool's not open. They haven't, they haven't opened it yet. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a bone to pick about, about the format of uh, the NBA and the NHL. I took a few minutes to look at how, how the NHL playoffs are going to work and all this kind of stuff which I hadn't really closely looked at before. Do you know how this is going to work? I don't know the NHL as much as I know the NBA. All right, let me tell you what's going to happen with the NHL. Okay. There are 24 teams there, and they're going to have a uh, miniature deal to get it down to 16 teams, and then they'll start the playoffs. So they're going to do exhibition games. I think each team plays one exhibition game. And then the top four teams in each conference are playing a round robin. They're going to play three games. And they, they all advance to the playoffs with 16 teams. And then in each conference, they're going to have best of five series. So, and then those four winners will join them, and then they'll have 16 teams for the playoffs. First of all, it's asinine because those top four teams don't get to play as many games as the other teams. And second of all, with the single elimination, there's going to be some good teams that lose. Let's set aside the fact that 16 teams is probably the amount that they should have there. But even with 24 teams, they should be playing group play like they do with other tournaments that have to be uh, resolved within a reasonable period of time. So six conferences of four each? Or four conferences of six. If you had four conferences of six, you could play each team in your, in your um, group, right? This is like the World Cup. Play each team in your group. Maybe they have time to play each team twice. So that'd be 10 games. And so that'll be four groups and maybe like the next four best teams get in there or something like that. So what is your problem with it? Is I just think this, the format is stupid and you have different teams going through different requirements to get to the playoffs. So you're not rewarding the better teams well enough and there's the chance that the better teams get knocked off by a hot team in a short series, much more so than they would if the other format was in place? Well, actually, I think the way they have it does reward the teams that were good during the regular season. Right, so the top four in each conference could definitely make it to the, the big tournament. My way, you could be the best team and lose in, in group of play. Right. So maybe okay. that's what they don't want to do. I'm sure the players want the, the teams that were good to have the best chance. 
Is it possible there's a financial consideration for why they're doing it? Because that's the reason they're doing certain things in the, in the NBA. And it, it might be the reason that they're doing everything, including playing at all. 100% why they're playing at all. <laughs> um, so tell me what your contention is with the schedule, the way the NBA is doing it. Uh, now, the NBA, I mean, you're going to have to remind me, they, also, they have what is it, 22 teams in there, and they're going to do some sort of convoluted thing to get down to 16. I think it's actually 24 teams also, and okay. eight, eight of them are doing the play-in. They're playing the last eight games of the season. Okay. And there's a financial reason for that. Zion Williamson is on the outside looking in, and they want him in there. He is a draw. Yeah. The Nets have just signed everybody, including you and me, to be on their bench because all their guys can't go. Yeah, like no Durant, no Irving. They signed Michael Beasley, Jamal Crawford, some other guy, I can't remember. Uh, no Spencer Dinwiddie, no Tyshawn Prince. And they're like in the seventh spot. So yeah. if the Nets went 0-8, then the Pelicans could get in. Right. So these last eight games, they want – the difference right now is three and a half games. You need to play at least eight games to make up four games. The other thing is once you get to the 70 games played – they fulfilled their TV contracts for the regular season. And that's what they're going to have after they do this? 72 games. Not every team, though. A, a larger portion of the contract yeah. that's due to them as a result of hitting that milestone. I just think that group play tournaments like the World Cup and like all the sports in the Olympics, uh, it's just great. It's a great way to do a tournament. That's all the, how all the youth hockey tournaments work. I don't disagree with you, but here I think is part of what they were looking at is – it's a perfect opportunity to reinvent yourself and do it in a different way and see how that works, which is why I would look to potentially do it. But then how, how many of the purists are you, as they always say, the, are you going to piss off? And does it invalidate the champion for that particular season when you're looking historically? San Antonio Spurs were the champs of a strike-shortened season. 99, yeah. No, when they talk about San Antonio being a champ, do you remember it was a short season? I mean, I do because... I was a diehard NBA fan at the time. But do you think about it as tainting it? You just think about the mystery? No, not at all. Exactly. Especially when it was the first of like five. Because everybody's playing under the same circumstances and you got a champion. So they're the champion of the league, right? I would venture, I guess, to say if you wanted to put an asterisk on this year's basketball season, the asterisk would just say, God, this was a badass, hard thing to do and these fucking guys deserve an A+. You're going to get isolated in a goddamn quarantine for a couple of months to win a championship? That's some sacrifice. That's a whole different kind of thing. Yeah. So, so, what is, so you know my deal. What is your deal? Do you think they're going to pull this off? So here's my deal. Um, I think that golf is going to be relatively unaffected for the long term. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're going to play in pairs instead of foursomes or threesomes, right? But they're still going to be able to play. Now, where are you with uh, fake crowd noise and all that kind of stuff? So here's my thought. Um, I watch sitcoms with fake crowd noise, and I'm fine with fake crowd noise. But what I'd like them to do is to give you the option to have it or not. You got a second audio program. Let me have the crowd noise or choose to not hear the crowd noise on the second option or something like that. So I can hear the, the, the talk on the field. Mike I want everybody mic'd up. up, man. Everybody. Especially in the NBA. 100%. Dude, are you kidding me? Why And you not? can have like the, the, the R-rated channel or the PG rated town. When they channel. did this in spring training with the Mets, it was more entertaining than the ball games. They had Pete Alonzo, Dominic Smith, and JD Davis mic'd up, and they're three of the best friends on the team hanging out, so they're ribbing each other. One yeah. of them is in the dugout, two of them are on the field, and the one guy in the field, they're talking while they're pitching. <laughs> it was awesome. It was so much fun to watch. They could do you, a lot with that. You got to, you got to uh, connect with the players through their personalities, which you don't when you see the name on the yeah. back. And it was a different experience entirely. So my thing is like fake crowd noise is fake and miking up the players is real. We're used to fake crowd noise. Dude, they pump in fake crowd noise at these NBA arenas. Sitcoms, fake crowd noise. Every movie that we watch, the music that leads up to the scene is the fake crowd noise. I mean, it's yeah. literally the thing telling you how to react, right? All right, so you're okay with that, but you never got to your prediction. No, so here's my deal. Football's never going to have an official regular season game played. For it's going to be shut down before they... For the NFL. Before, before they, they play regular one regular season game, it will shut down. And why will that be? 
they will realize the absurdity of trying to do this where every single play, 300 and something pounds, sweaty human beings bang into each other with a huge force while they try to tackle another guy that's carrying the ball, which is the complete antithesis of social distancing. They're not going to realize that. They know that now. The goal is get the guy, not get away from the guy. <laughs> It's the, it's the wrong goal, right? But specifically, you're going to have people getting ill. Correct. Right? People are going to get sick as a result, and that's what's going to happen. Uh, okay. Or somebody like – Tom Brady. A, I don't want to pick a per- – okay, Tom Brady, perfect example, because I don't want to pick up Especially he's in Florida. He's a COVID hotspot. Somebody like Tom Brady is going to say, I don't think it's right for us to be playing. And all of a sudden, everybody's going to say, whoa, my wife is pregnant, and we've decided I'm not going to play. That changes everything, right? So I don't think that they get anywhere. I think – that no matter what, basketball is going to finish. You think the bubble is going to work? I don't know that it's going to work, but I think that we've gotten to the point where we're more tolerant of people getting the virus as long as they don't die. And they do have uh, expanded rosters, so they can withstand a few guys getting sick. Even if like six guys got sick, they could still feel the team. But I also think it is entertaining no matter what. It's entertainment and it's sports related. So whether they're playing games in those days or they're in quarantine, it's new sports content that we didn't have a week ago. Until like some 60-year-old coach dies. Lionel Hollins is not going because he's in his late 60s and has a history, a medical condition. So the league evaluated the guys and said, we're looking at your medical histories and deciding whether you can go or not. Mm -hmm. So they've held a few people back. I mean, you've got to give them credit for trying to be thorough. I mean, the procedures that are in place for all these things are uh, pretty copious. Baseball is not going to happen. You're asking people to go travel in public transportation, go from city to city, which is, again, the antithesis of social distancing and staying home. Not going to work. Hockey could potentially work in the two hubs. How much are all these guys being cooped up going to play by the rules? Because as soon as you start breaking the rules is where you open yourself up to the whole thing falling down like a house of cards. And I don't think these guys realize that enough. I think that ah, I got my stuff from the Postmates. Yeah, they're invincible. Yeah. These guys run up and down the court and play against other guys that are in peak physical condition. They don't feel like they're going to die. None of them so it's whether or not they can, they can sneak people into the compound or sneak out of the compound? That aren't ultimately sick. So you sneak somebody in and you get it from the person you snuck in. And now, I don't know if if you've been looking at footage, but Anthony Davis, LeBron James practicing, they're not wearing masks and they're standing right next to each other in that. So all you got to do is give it to one of the guys and you give it to another guy. And all of a sudden the Lakers can't play because six guys are sick. Now, I don't really consider them to be a flight risk. So like, you know, let's say AD and LeBron decide to to bounce and like go to Orlando. What the hell are they going to do when they get there? So that's the other thing. Baseball players are still opting out. There's been 20-something people opting out. Have you heard a women's basketball player at WNBA? Elena Deladon. And her personal doctor recommended she not play because she's at risk. Had to be evaluated by the league doctors. The best player in the league. She's the reigning MVP, I believe. Which verifies the best player in the league. She was told by the uh, WNBA doctors that she would not be exempt. And if you don't get the exemption from the doctors, you don't get paid. You know what I wouldn't mind talking about in general? What's that? What were you going to say? I was going to say, I think that the whole idea of the Spanish flu in the 1919 were uh, the Stanley Cup and like the coach died and people were sick and they couldn't finish and they kept going. Dude, the, the best guy on the team... Seattle died like two days after the thing ended. Unreal. Yeah. Like they couldn't and, finish the sixth in what would have been a deciding game because they went to overtime and there weren't enough people that could keep skating and they were like, we just can't do it. So, okay. And then it didn't like it start to become an argument because they were rotating rules every game. Okay, so then what was game seven rules going to be because game six didn't officially end? It's like, what? Right. Well, what really, it was a best of five and they played five games and they were in overtime and players just started like passing out on the ice and stuff like that. So they, they scrapped the game and that made it, that's why it ended up being six and there should have only been five games. So I might average 
six hours of day of listening to sports radio. Yeah. And they haven't brought up the Spanish flu in connection with sports the whole time. Only on WBUR, Matt. I'm amazed. And this, she brought this up, what, three months ago? Yeah, March 27th is when they published that story. But that was the guy, Kevin Tyson, wrote the book. Right. Well, you know, he reached out. But still, I mean, she put this out three months ago. Nobody's talking about this. I had no idea that there were major professional sports going on when there was some type of thing similar to this. I've seen some photos on Twitter of, like, baseball players standing with masks on and stuff. So they played some sports where they actually wore masks and so forth. But, and we might have to fact check this. Um, I don't think they continued to play baseball. I don't know. Because it was all kind of mixed up with World War II as well. So, like, you know, World War II ended in 1917. World War One, isn't it? World War One. World War One ended in 1917. They came back. They had yeah, well, stopped a lot of the sports for that. But it was actually the Great World War at the time, right? Because nobody knew it was going to be another one. Yeah, then when the sequel came, they had to start numbering them. Exactly. So it should have been like the Great War and then World War II. Correct. Or, <laughs> or, or, the, or like the Great that. War II. That would be the real sequel. The Great War and the Great War II. And so the third here, one would be Return of the Great War. Right. <laughs> what do you think about all these sports, uh, these professional sports leagues reopening? So, like I said, I'm averaging about six hours a day. So, professionally, I'm a fundraiser, but there are times I'm working before I can do the analysis. So, I listen to sports radio all day. Yeah. And they're talking about it all the time. And I, I've said this to you personally and outside of that. And there are some sports that are not going to get started and there's some sports that are going to get finished. So, NBA, I think that the NBA is going to continue to move forward. Because I think that they've convinced themselves and everybody involved that the bubble concept is different than what's going on in the rest of the world. That somehow they're isolated. Post-production note. First round of NBA testing in the bubble yielded zero positive results. Within this community that is a raging coronavirus outbreak, where all the people that support that come in and out of the facility every day. Somehow they've convinced themselves they're safe. Post-production note. First round of NBA testing in the bubble yielded zero positive results. Most of the people involved are, are in the bubble as well. The reporters and the trainers and the coaches and stuff like that. Right, but there's certain levels of people. So there's like, certain number of reporters are in there. They've got different tier status. So tier two reporters aren't completely within the bubble now. And when games happen, there's going to be sections at each game, 10, 12 seats dedicated to tier two reporters. And you put in 24 to 40 hours in advance, which games you're going to cover. So they're not having that direct access. They're in the stands and these special seats. But so they'll be on the premises, but they won't be like in the locker rooms or close Correct. to the players at all or interviewing the players or interacting with the players on the court the nba bubble um is pretty much the same thing as the nhl bubble right except for the N- nhl has two bubbles hubs they call them well all right i want to just go down on the record right here okay i will eat my cornell hat if they finish any of these seasons in the year 2020 any of them so any of them that- sports or college too so let's, can we, I need to get this to I'm going to say anything. All right, here we go. Because wait, before you do this, the video of him eating the hat will be readily available <laughs> on Instagram and YouTube when it happens. I want to make sure we get the terms of this down, right? Because one of these leagues is going to be so driven by money, they're going to push through unless somebody dies. July 15th, 2020. Okay, we're just days away from some of these sports uh, really ramping it up. Now, if you have a sport where the players are separated by a net or something like that, tennis, golf's okay, that seems like you could control that. So if you're gonna make this proclamation that I'm gonna go through the major sports and I'm gonna hear you give me why you say it's not gonna finish, okay? And let's start right now, nine days from now, I think baseball starts. So baseball is gonna do a 60 game condensed season and fly from city to city and stay in hotels and play in empty stadiums 
and that's their model for playing 60 games. They don't have uh, private planes? Well, they do have to go to the airport, but they have their own plane. Nonetheless, they are going to be traveling from city to city. Staying in hotels, Mm -hmm. exposed to people that are not part of their circle, right? Yeah. The payoff for baseball is the reason they're only going to do 60 games is because the money is the postseason package. Right. They have to get through the postseason to be recouping the money. The farther they get through the postseason, the more whole the owners are going to be. Are they allowed to go home? The players? They can go to their houses and stuff? Um, I I actually believe so, yeah. They're going to still be doing this. And that's why, I don't know if you've seen this, but there's 20 to 25 players that have already opted out of going. And some of them are fairly, fairly big deals. David Price here in Los Angeles, not going. There are basically, all right, here's, I have the same answer for every sport. I mean, we could go through the situation. I have some thoughts about the formats of these playoffs, too. So let's I'd love to see every, every, stick, everything. Stick with baseball. Stick with baseball. So give okay. me your thoughts on this. Because all the money for them doesn't start to really pay off. It's like billions of dollars in playoff TV revenue. Billions. First of all, as a citizen, I'm a little pissed off that they are hoarding uh, tests and other resources that the general public needs. But we don't like to get political here on the podcast. Um, Players are going to get sick and it's going to get ridiculous. Or certain players are going to opt out. And, um, you know, if you get a couple of big stars opt out, you're in trouble. Maybe not baseball because they don't really have any stars, but these other sports, certainly. So I think your point is well made because certain of the leagues are partnerships with the players and market the players directly without those players participating. The value of participating and watching those games goes down. But in football, being marketed as the team and the jersey, uh, baseball's got the stars. And really what you lose in baseball is the quality of the game. They've got enough players and enough minor leaguers to continue to push through if they want to. But the quality of the games will go down. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so baseball, all the money is to get to the playoffs. 60 game season starts. They're going to play 60 games in 66 days. Mm. Injuries will be a factor as we go through this. We could go on and on about baseball in that because there's all of those things. Is it going to change the game? Are the pitchers now going to pitch three innings and another starter three innings behind them uh, with the guy starting at second base? So let's go back to the details of that. But give me why you think it's not going to happen for baseball. Players and managers are going to get sick. So how is that any different? Because we used to talk about a person getting corona as being a really, really bad thing. Oh my God, we fear for their death. With these athletes, they're getting corona. None of them have passed away. None have demonstrated long-term impacts from Corona. So it's almost like we're accepting that they're going to get sick and nobody's going to die. Is it going to take a player in that sport dying to change everybody's opinion on that? And if one person dies in one sport, it's associated with a coach, coach's wife, coach's grandmother, whatever. Yeah. Does everybody else shut down? Also, there's going to be a veil of secrecy around this whole thing. Like there was a player, uh, I don't remember if he was a baseball player or not, but was missing for so many days. And Mets, Robinson Cano has been absent from camp for 10 days and the Mets haven't disclosed why. Right. This kind of thing. It's a HIPAA regulation. It's HIPAA, sorry. Um, there's where it conflicts because baseball with wagering in all sports would talk about injuries that were things that would keep you out of the game that were sports related. Well, if you're not going to play because you've got Corona, that's different. But if you're not going to play because you've got a pulled hammy, we need to know that for the long run. But if you're not telling us that you're what your injury is, then the assumption is it's Corona. So you're kind of creating this weirdness about it all. Well, one of the injury designations is illness though, usually, right? Uh, usually they say non-sports related illness or non-sports related injury. Okay. Well, and sometimes they, you know, there's the dip- a difference between the, um, injury reports and what it might say in the newspaper. So for instance, a guy might be suffering from leukemia and it's not a sports injury on the sports report, but the guy's choosing to tell you whether he's got leukemia or not. Initially, Mike Trout, what they were, they were talking about, Mike Trout got really upset. They were talking about people's diagnosis because it's a medical condition because 
here's the other part that nobody's talking about. I know we said, let's just get through the four sports, but here we go. <laughs> you're a basketball player and you're LeBron James and you spend rumored to be one and a half to $2 million a year on your body and your health, hyperbaric chamber, things to oxygenate your body and heal faster. Yeah. Is one at 36 years old, he's still a tremendously fine-tuned athlete. Mm -hmm. You get Corona, you lose 5% of your lung function. Are you now that fine-tuned athlete? Can you still do what you did and go 52 minutes in an overtime game? Or is the last five minutes of that game going to be so hard you can't do what you did a month ago? Are the teams going to hold it against players for the long term? if they've got corona because nobody really knows the long-term effects on the body of having corona is it going to change long-term contracts going to change the nature of those things mookie betts he got screwed when corona came he lost like a hundred million dollars he was going to why is that he was going to get a 300 million dollar contract next heart oh, is he playing off of is he playing out the red sox contract this year yeah on the dodgers okay. right Okay. He needed to have a bang up year here to do this. Plus, nobody's thinking about signing people to a 10 year contract in baseball because who knows if they're going to play. Post production note Mookie Betts signed a 12 year, $365 million extension with a $65 million signing bonus. Oh, the revenue is going to be way down. The caps are going to be down. Correct. There's 14 guys that are franchised in the NFL today when the last day of negotiating with them are. They're all going to wind up on one-year deals probably because nobody wants to give them 50, you know, eight years at the max because who knows what's going to happen revenue-wise. Hmm. How, about, how about the NBA's revenue sharing system? A couple of years ago, TV contracts went through the roof. Players got re ridiculous contracts a couple guys got contracts that paid them 240 million for four or five years making well the average player makes eight nine million now right but there are guys that are making 45 million a year right now right well the revenue is going to be different so next year are those contracts going to be changed because the revenue sharing is going to be a lot different so what's going to happen there for the existing contracts and then the contracts that go forward there's so much that nobody's talking about. Yeah, and we don't know what the time horizon is. I mean, the smart money is on like this season and maybe next season are probably going to be screwed up. And like by the season after that, things should be relatively back to normal. So we'll have fans and we'll have normal revenue streams and so forth. Stories podcast is produced by Matt Hoff. Artwork and theme music adapted from the work of Ken Klein. Additional music for today's episode performed by Bob Winter and the Monobs featuring Bob Winter and Matt Hoff. So Matt, how is our listenership looking these days? Bob, I'm glad you asked. I got a little bit of a, a stick in the craw today. What's that? I keep going and looking and, you know, we get a new episode and we get somebody like Tony Scott and Tony Scott from Youth Hockey Hub. That's a guy who's got a lot of followers. Put his episode up. He retweets it. Boom. Download city. Going crazy. People are listening and talking about Tony. Nobody. Nobody is listening to the greatest hockey coaches of all time. I think we had more downloads in the first day of Tony's episode than we've had in the greatest hockey coaches of all time episode. So you took away my next segment, but that was well done because you know the same as I do. <laughs> Tony's episode, once he tweeted it, 
in a day, no, in five hours, surpassed all of the downloads for the greatest hockey coach of all time. Yeah. So what I want to figure out, Bob, is why. Is that episode not popular? I'm trying to figure out why it's not popular. Now, we have other episodes that don't get a lot of downloads. We have some that just go through the roof. And I understand there's a dynamic when we have somebody that people want to hear that's on there. But when those people come to the the podcast, don't they see the other ones? And maybe when they see the greatest hockey coach of all time, wouldn't you click that and go, hey, what do they think? Maybe. I mean, I, I think there's definitely a factor that when we have guests, they they send the thing around to their following and that drives people there. So like when we had Tony, like tons of people from Minnesota, you know, when we had uh, Harrison, we got a bunch of people from uh, Mass and New Hampshire. No guest. Also, isn't it episode number two? No, that's Dryden. Oh, and that one still does okay. Matola's three. I think it's uh, episode four because Jasper's five. Yeah, so that doesn't really make any sense. Because people go to the first one because they'll go there and be like, oh, let me start from the beginning. So I think it's time for us to look in the mirror here a little bit, Bob. Yeah. And what are you seeing in the mirror? So Tony drives people to the Tony pod and they listen because Tony's on. But are we just not interesting enough as hosts? And is the conversation not interesting enough for them to go, oh, what else do these guys do? Well, if anybody's still listening to this episode, (laughs) they think that we are. Those who have abandoned it, (laughs) back up your point. Should we combine this episode with the greatest hockey coaches of all time and make one big, long loser episode? (laughs) (laughs) Call it like the most boring episode of all time. So here's here's what I want to throw out here now while we're talking about this, because I want to hear your idea on this. So I got an idea for an episode where I literally put a bunch of pieces that were missteps. But what you'd have is something like an open that didn't work where somebody messed up and then an open that didn't work and an open that didn't work and then all of a sudden the music and then the welcome the ring stories and then the oh, that thing that didn't work when you're introducing and the next one and like four or five of those and the next segment for the one that, and just make a bunch in a row of these different pieces that didn't work and just make it missteps and starts and see if it's actually funny and entertaining you should try it i'm gonna try it um, it, the idea came to me as I was starting to put some things into the outtakes track when I was working yeah. on the Karen Gibbons episode yesterday or this morning. And uh, there are pieces that I want to save because I think they're nice drop-ins. And then there are things that we're not going to use because of those things. And there, that's when I'm realizing that we probably should have been doing that all the yeah. time. It's a harder project to do because I have to go do a lot of research. Yeah, I mean, there's sort of a push and pull between kind of the the interview oriented episodes and then the ones that are more uh, either creative like the ken dryden book or the greatest hockey coaches the the interesting uh, thing is the dryden one right now is the third most second most popular episode third most popular is it really missouri part two is number missouri part one is number one kasabuski is number two and dryden's number three that's amazing and that one there is just Total dork fest, like English majors only kind of thing. It was a departure from what you might expect from a podcast where we did storytelling and some readings from the Dryden book where we just thought that the words and the pictures that he painted were pretty eloquent for a guy that was taking hockey pucks to the head for his career. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that was kind of the original intent was to do more of that kind of stuff. And then when the guest thing started rolling, that seems like it's more fun. Well, I have to say, I'm very impressed with our, um, what I'd call our click-through and our success rate. And I think you sent out four requests and three people immediately said yes, and we had to book them all right in a row. Yeah. I was yeah, like, well, Bob, what are you working on? You don't worry about it. When you need it, I'll do it. And then you bat out three of them. And third, and I was, okay, who we got? Well, I've got this for today and this for tomorrow and this for next Monday. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, getting Karen given was a, was a good score for us. Uh, I didn't have any relationship with her before that. Rink Stories, Hockey Haiku. Zero tolerance. Every rink has that sign. Very tolerant.
if they can get the games going, there's a lot of revenue in TV, especially if everybody who's watching the game is watching it on television. Ivy League has moved their fall sports to the spring. Right, including ice hockey. Okay. Well, ice hockey starts... Um, well, that becomes a, a fall sport as opposed to a spring sport. You know, you know, so that's going to be great. So let's say that everything goes the way that they're planning it to go, and you're going to have like 30 different college sports going on during the same season. So wait, so wait. Just think about the pro <laughs> stuff right now. Basketball is going to be like a month-long NCAA tournament, and you're going to have like five games a day until they pare down the teams. So uh, the first weekend is going to be like four or five games in a row every day for four days. It's going to be like, <gasps> after having no sports, it's going to be like sports coma. Ah, 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 your eyes, yeah. toothpicks holding your eyes open. But at the same time, baseball is going to have started. And the NBA is trying to finish the season, tend to continue to focus on the season that's continuing towards the playoffs, especially if your teams are involved, before you start to focus on the new league that's starting or the new team, right? Yeah. Well, with all this happening at the same time, what the hell is going to go on? So we're going to go from, okay, what's your Mount Rushmore of conversations for four <laughs> months to bang, 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 sports. And you're going to have the overlay of all the drama and all the reports of players getting sick. Which, are, have you been paying attention already to the stuff that's going on for the NBA guys? As far as what? So this morning's show, Keyshawn Johnson's, they were talking about Ugly Anna. Okay, that's just they named her. It wasn't really her name, but it was somebody that had a Twitter handle that may or may not have been in the pretend the potential line of business where men would make a phone call late at night and ask them to come over and pay them by the hour. And they were talking about that person's Twitter handle and trying to figure out who would be like the first person. And okay. so some of them started to realize that they could figure out which NBA players might potentially start to get in trouble by looking at her Twitter feed to see who was following her and what? which NBA guys were following her. So they were having these conversations about how you would sneak ugly Anna in. <laughs> Dude, here's my idea. It's brilliant, though. It's brilliant. I don't know why they're not having a, a, a reality show about the NBA bubble. Evidently, Paul George post production fact checking that's actually chris paul not paul george and others may have their own crews and doing their own thing to do it because they should have been doing that the whole time here's the thing that i think that everybody kind of missed out on and i don't know that necessarily non-sports fans would watch these are millionaire guys making a yeah. lot of money are used to being shipped in first-class accommodations to the five-star hotels to unbelievable meals to being waited on not touching their own stuff to come into a place being locked down and not having their people i got a guy for that they got no guy for that it's just them there's no they, that either so. there's no right whatever <laughs> that is right so, really so on the radio show this morning they're talking about so what you want to figure out is how are these guys getting their weed in there because you know <laughs> they're smoking weed post-production note how much weed would an NBA player have to bring to last for the whole quarantine if you're not going to be able to get resupplied during your stay? So today... They're just bringing it, right? Well, I don't know. Are they checking them? It's an angle. It's another reason we need to have the reality show. Exactly. And then here's part of what was going on. Two of the guys today were at the water ride thing that they have access to in Disney. So they had nothing to do. So two of the guys are taking their camera and doing video. They're going down the water ride. Are you kidding me? I would watch that seven, eight hours a day if you gave me that. You Just know what else? Cameras everywhere making Big Brother NBA. Come on. Another thing you could have done is you could have said like uh, each NBA player had to decide what one woman they would bring in. Correct. How fun would that be? Right. And you get Annie in there and, you know, more <laughs> options that way. So then Keyshawn is talking about, you know, because he's a pro athlete. So he's talking about he knows how the pro athletes think, right? So part of where we missed the boat is a lot of the guys like poking fun at each other and poking fun at things is the nature of the NBA players. It's part of their lifestyle. It's part of the road. It's part of the camaraderie. So when they're poking fun at this stuff, too many people in the public are saying, stop complaining about your, you know, lower than five-star accommodations when people aren't getting meals right now. So the NBA kind of missed the boat and they could be packaging this and doing it later yeah or, or even having a live reality show right now uh ramona shelburne's been talking about it on espn radio out here 
she thinks Chris Paul and somebody else have their own production crews and doing their own thing. Um, did you see LeBron and AD playing two-on-two NBA 2K against two other guys in the street ball version where they're playing on the blacktop? And they uh-huh. were like, just like they play in the game, that all the moves and stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, let there be no mistake. The NBA is the most interesting league for this sort of stuff. Totally. They have the, the, the most recognizable stars. If Mike Trout walked into my office right now, I wouldn't know who the hell he was. Well, why do you think that is, Bob? Well, one aspect is that I rarely watch baseball. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the second one is that he's just not really a big celebrity. There's 50 <laughs> NBA players that are more famous than that guy. 100%. Whereas, like, in the NFL, they have a degree of anonymity because they wear the helmets and everything. Yeah. Dude, if, if, if you sent, sent the top 10 fantasy running backs and put them in my living room right now, I could probably name about three of them. Like, do you know what Le'Veon Bell looks like? No, it's kind of funny because I've been watching all these videos of Henry Ruggs, like, doing workouts because, I mean, he's a beast and they keep Uh showing these beast things and I'm going, oh, yeah, Henry Ruggs. Who the hell is Henry Ruggs again? And I look him up. Oh, yeah, yeah, he's a big deal, you know? But he's one of those guys I would bump into him and I wouldn't even know. Yeah. But the NBA markets the players and the players in the NBA have brands and the players in the NBA do commercials and they're known. A lot of the football guys and helmets are, are team or team guys and there's fewer of them with those bigger deals. The NBA has overtaken many sports in popularity and I think partly because of the partnership with the players and understanding how to grow the league and how that benefits everybody and, and each of them compromising toward that end. The billionaires and the millionaires there have understood that they both need each other to continue to be billionaires and millionaires, and they do it right. Baseball, yeah. contentious every step of the way. They instituted the 60-game thing against them, just like we're doing they it. They have the worst game. relationship with the players of any And it's a walk year. After, after this year, they're going to be at the bargaining table. Baseball is going to go on nice. strike, and then nobody's going to care about them. This is Tony Scott from YHH. You're listening to the Rink Stories podcast. A great little show to listen to. Guaranteed you will not get boom roasted either. Her professionalism comes through a lot in that she's a storyteller and a producer. And so when she tells the story, you start to feel like you're being drawn in to listen and you feel like you're leaning in, like literally like you should be when someone's telling a story. Yeah, she, she's a real pro. Yeah, I don't know why she even agreed to come on this thing. You know, um, she, when we asked what's your favorite Ring Stories episode, she said this one. That's usually the response of people that have not listened to us before. Two or three guests that we've asked that to that have cited another episode besides their own, it's because they've listened to one. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, Missouri. I listened to the Kasabuski one, remember? Yep. He said, you know, the thing you got wrong was first thing I was like, oh, we got something. Well, when we get, when we, uh, if we ever get Mark Allred on here, um, Mark Allred was a late scratch uh, due to illness and we hope he feels better, but apparently he's listened to a whole bunch of them. Well, yeah. I mean, you sent that, uh, that nice comment to me that, that kind of helped me to get through producing our last episode where he said he'd listened to the last four episodes, got caught up and you know, had some fun production and some, you know, some interesting story. Yeah. I, I he was, was like, binging. I was like, okay, that gives me the, uh, you, know, you need more. He needs more. Mark is out of ring stories. I got to do this for Mark. <laughs> this is from an article on WBUR.org by Bill Littlefield. Bill and Karen Gibbon were colleagues on NPR's Only a Game until Bill's retirement in July of 2018. He still contributes to the WBUR website. Article dated July 23rd, 2020. I'm sorry to say it. This should be an American summer without baseball. By Bill Littlefield. Hundreds of thousands of people taking to the streets 
day after day and night after night have developed a more responsible and more powerful way to put the virus out of mind, at least temporarily. These people, many of them masked, are protesting the specific violence committed against African Americans by the police and the more general violence visited upon people of color by political and social systems that have never provided them justice. In the context of this news, it doesn't seem significant to me that Major League Baseball's owners and players are about to begin a truncated season. Don't get me wrong, baseball's great. Baseball has always provided the constant background hum of my summer, and I understand that lots of people feel deprived without it. But baseball games won't be much of a diversion from the virus that continues to sicken and kill thousands of people across the land. And even in the cities where teams are winning, will playoff prospects divert people from great and courageous struggle for equal rights and equal justice now underway? I certainly hope not. I worked in sports for decades. I understand the significance of the NFL to the psyche of the nation. Pro football is America's game. But when a doctor who knows more than anyone else about how dangerous a virus can be and how easily it can be spread says, regarding football, yeah, well, maybe not. Shouldn't we listen to him? When he says it might not be a good idea for pro football to commence in an autumn likely to bring a new surge in the virus, no matter how significant the crush and rumble of the game may be to the sense of identity of millions of citizens, should our response be to ridicule the doctor? I don't think so. I think our response should be, hey, this is a guy who knows what he's talking about. We should listen to him. Maybe by doing so, we'll help save some lives. Maybe a lot of lives. Could be doing that will be worth the sacrifice of an autumn's worth of colorful rumbles. I say this as somebody who used to be in the business of talking and writing about sports. Sometimes I celebrated them for their stories and for the joy we can find in them and for the lessons we could learn from the people who played and coached and watched the games. But times change, and at least temporarily, our times have changed dramatically in terms of two historic developments. One of them, the virus and the subsequent nearly singular failure of this country's president to respond responsibly to it, is tragic. The other, the outpouring of outrage and subsequent determination to establish a safer, more just environment for people previously deprived of their rights in the most violent imaginable ways, is potentially joyous and revolutionary. In the context of these times, allowing ourselves to be diverted by games seems irrelevant, even irresponsible. This is from an article on WBUR.org by Bill Littlefield. Bill and Karen Gibbons were colleagues on NPR's Only a Game until Bill's retirement in July of 2018. He still contributes to the WBUR website. Until next time, for producer Matt Hoff, this is Bob Winter. Work hard, have fun, stay safe, ring stories.